You are now listening to the Two Room Scleroderma Awareness Podcast. I am your host, Natasha M. Enjoy the show. Good evening, TTR family. Welcome back to the Till Room. And today I got Tiffany with me. Tiffany, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I can't complain. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Tell us where you're from and, you know, give us a little information about who Tiffany is. Um, I was born and raised in Vermont. Okay. Um... I left there in about 2004 and moved down to Virginia. And I lived there for a super long time. And I am now currently in Arizona. Okay. How do you like uh, living out in Arizona? Um, I love it just because, like, the heat and everything, it really helps a lot, like, with my rain odds and my joints and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, um, like, I have cold intolerance from that. Um, and it's a dry heat, so it's not, like, too bad. It's not, like, heavy and muggy feeling. Um, and I've got really great doctors out here. Um but I am going to be moving up to Colorado Springs after I get caught up on chemo and everything. So hope, I'm hoping to be up there in the next four months. Okay. And wait, wait what is Colorado Springs? Um, it's like uh, in central Colorado. Um, oh. my, my grandfather is 83 and he lives there with his wife. Um, and she just got like really, really bad with both Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like her full-time caregiver oh, and wow. like he, he needs help. And, um, you know, and being alone all the time myself, I like, I get it. You know, he wants somebody to talk to and, um, all of that. So I, I think it, it'll be a good, um, experience for both of us actually, you know? Yeah, that sounds like fun. I wish I can, I wish I can get my grandma to move where me, where I'm at or, both of us moved to a hotter location, but she's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, when were you diagnosed with sarcoma? Uh, I was actually diagnosed when I was four years old. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. So, um. You want to tell us, like, how did you find out, like, like, what was that process like, if you remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember it all very vividly, actually. Um, like, when I was around two and a half to three, um, my mom had just gotten remarried. And her and my stepdad, who had adopted me and my older sister, so we could have his name and everything, um, they noticed that, like, I was really all of a sudden, like, constantly tired, lethargic, um, and I started getting, like, morphia patches, um, all over, which look pretty much like bruises, Mm -hmm. um, and so they knew something was wrong, I was constantly sleeping, I had no energy, and that's not normal for a toddler, (laughs) so they, 
I don't know, they probably took me to about 12 different uh, family doctors. Mm-hmm. And all of them had actually, you know, called the cops and CPS on them because they, they thought they were bruises, honestly. Oh, wow. And then they finally went to a family doctor who I had the rest of my, you know, childhood until I was 18. Um, and he looked me over really thoroughly and he was like, I guess he was like fresh out of med school or whatever. Um, and he told them, he said, I think I might know what this is, but I'm not going to tell you until it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. And so he had them send me to Boston to the children's floating hospital there. And they did labs, uh, muscle biopsy, all of that kind of stuff. And the results came back first, slurred Irma. Oh, wow. So how I mean, was... that was... Okay. Uh, that was... Man, so let's see. I was born in 85. Yeah, so I was diagnosed around 89, 1990. Okay. Um, so, like, back then, you know, with it, even today, with it still being as unknown as it is, there wasn't really any confirmed children cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by the time I was six, I was, like, one of ten worldwide cases that was, like, confirmed, confirmed. So it was, you know, it was insane for everybody involved, you know, nobody knew what it was, nobody knew how to treat anything. Um, And it it really just shaped my entire life. Like in elementary school, I never got to go out and play during recess, I had to stay inside with a physical therapist. Um, You know, I had to travel from Vermont to Boston every two weeks. Until I was, you know, 18. Um, And it was a four and a half hour drive each way. Um, You know, I was, I I always thought of myself as like a test monkey, honestly. Because it was just crap after crap, sad after sad. And, you know, no news was anything good ever. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel like, when you were younger, did you ever feel like you were picked on because of, of it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was bullied for a while, Um, especially when I, at first they had put me on like super high doses of prednisone. So, you know, when I was five, I was huge. Like I even had pictures. I was huge, Um, you know, and so I got picked on for that, you know, being the chubby kid at school and everything and, you know, the morphia spots and then we actually, my mom and I got like the teachers and the school like super involved. I was on like a 504 IEP and everything um, because I was, gonna, you know, missing so much school from the traveling and everything that that was the only way I could actually stay in school and not like get held back and stuff for missing so much time. Mm-hmm. And we started involving all of the schools like we started doing like the jump rope heart association kind of thing, you know, getting the kids involved and that started to help things, you know, once they could really understand what, at least what we knew of it, you know, and they knew that like, I wasn't a scary person. It wasn't, you know, anything to like hate me for. Yeah. 
And high school, you know, that was even worse. Um, and then we were in, I don't even remember, it was like a science class, like, and we had to all, like, choose a cancer or a disease or something to do, like, this big, big, big report on. Mm-hmm. And I believe I was, like, uh, was I probably in 10th grade then? And I obviously did one on scleroderma. And I stood on top of my teacher's desk in uh, boxers and a sports bra. And I let everybody, like, feel the skin lesions, the morphia, you know, um, come up close and be like, look, this is okay. It's really not as scary as you probably think it is. And, you know, like that kid's weird. Why does she look like this? You know, cause it had stunted all of the growth on the left side of my body. Wow. So my left hand and my left foot are like super small compared to the right side. Um, I know when I was married, my wedding ring was like a three and a half, like a child's ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on the right hand, the ring finger is like a size eight. Oh, wow. Um, and it was the same with my feet. We had to buy two pairs of shoes. Um, so, you know, that that was challenging. But I was really active in sports. And mm-hmm. I think that held me enough you know from losing too much muscle too fast mm-hmm. um I just I I was so involved with sports even in elementary school um you know I did field hockey basketball softball I was always on the go and you know they had predicted that I would be in a wheelchair by age 10 mm-hmm. they said they told my parents that I probably wouldn't live past 15. And I just kept defying the odds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at that. That is, that's really wild. The reason why I asked about, you know, being, you know, feel like you were treated different or bullied is because a lot of times, like, you were saying your diagnosis at four. And I'm starting to see a lot of new cases where people are being diagnosed at a young age. Yeah. Oh, I was diagnosed as an adult when I was like 24, 25. And um, like I see how me having this scleroderma, how it, how it, how it allows, um, not really allow, but how it makes other people treat me different. You know, or people stare and people. So I couldn't imagine. Absolutely having to be a child and going to school, you know, and having to deal with that because people look at me different as an adult and I'm I feel the type of way. So I I can just only imagine as a child how I would feel. And like I said, I'm starting to see a lot of new people come, you know, come forward and say, Hey, I'm I'm you know, my child has scleroderma or my niece or somebody I know has scleroderma and they're all really, really young. Yeah, every time I see, like, in the Facebook groups for scleroderma or whatever, anytime I see a parent and they're like, my child just was diagnosed, I jump right in there and I private message them. 
-hmm. you know, and I tell them, hey, you can absolutely reach out to me. And so can your child. Like I, I lived it. And I remember the things that I felt as a kid wishing my parents would do this or act this way or not treat me this way, you know? So it's like, I have a different insight than most people who are diagnosed as adults. Right. Um, you know, and it's like, I, I remember just randomly I'd wake up screaming because my muscles would be contracting in my extremities and my parents would have to run in and start massaging it. And if it didn't work within a few minutes, like rush me to the bathtub and put me in like scalding hot water to get mm-hmm. it to relax. And, you know, it having that unique insight and knowing like, Hey, I wish my parents didn't treat me so fragile or I wish they would have listened to me more about this subject or, you know, how I felt about this, this or that, um, this medication, that medication and the involvement in it. Um, so like, I I don't know. And I I don't even like comment, comment. I just kind of go right for the private message and be like, Hey, I've lived it. I'm here anytime you need advice. Or if you're wondering what she might be feeling, if she's acting this certain way, is it depression or is it just like a phase? Um, you know, and I'm always available for anybody to reach out to me, whether it's a child or an adult or whatever the scenario is. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really great. Like I, I, I like I said, I wish, like I tell everybody all the time, the reason for me doing this podcast, the whole reason I'm trying to spread awareness is because I wish I would have had somebody that I could have called to say, hey, I'm going through this or this is happening. Because even when I go to the doctor's, and I complain, I'm telling them I'm going through X, Y, Z. They look at me, they're like, it's no way you're going through that. Yeah. Like, you can't tell me what I feel inside my body. Like, when people look at me, they say, oh, when you're walking fine, you're looking good. And it's like, I had to rest in the car for about 20 minutes. <coughs> Excuse me. Before I walked in here because I'm having trouble breathing. People can't see that from the outside. Right. So, um, like I said, I just, I love that, I love that you do that. I love that you reach out because sometimes people are afraid to ask for help. And sometimes people, you know, they don't know exactly what it is. And they have somebody reach out to you and say, listen, I'm here to help. And you got any questions, I've been through it. It makes it a lot easier, you know? For sure. You know, and I just, I remember wishing, like you said, like, I wish I had somebody to lean on, you know, about different emotional things, physical things. Um, you know, back then there wasn't internet, there wasn't social media there, you know, so mm-hmm. we knew nobody that had scleroderma, not one person, not yeah. one person, you know? And so like to see the communities like blooming and people coming forward and stuff, um, it means so much like, yeah. You know, because like I've like I'm 37. I have never known any part of life without scleroderma being 100 percent involved. You know, like a lot of people who are diagnosed as adults, they might be, you know, okay as a child and not have like the, the different sizes and stuff like that until older. And, you know, when symptoms come on and progress and and I'm just like, I wish I would have known any part like 10 years you know or like a year you know what I mean where it's just like normalcy um mm-hmm. like I never ever had that um and 
sorry. Um, it makes me emotional, you know, to think about it. And it affects so many people. Like, I remember all all throughout my life, my parents hired um, a local lady or whatever. And she was my respite worker. Um, like, the insurance would pay her to, like, come and pick me up and take me, you know, swimming mm-hmm. or whatever for a few hours to like give my family a break yeah and it was cool as a kid you know I got to do things with somebody who wasn't family and made me feel special but now looking back on it it hurts yeah you know it's like wow they had to pay somebody because they just needed a day yeah you know my sisters and it's like I don't know. I'm like at a really emotional stage because like I I really don't have family other than my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um my mom is like a really really bad drunk. Mm-hmm. And you know, she didn't start drinking until, you know, after I had already graduated high school. Really it never became a problem until then. Um you know, and it we we don't speak. We don't have a relationship. Um, both of my sisters are not great people either. They're addicts and I, I've never met my biological father. And after my parents divorced my senior year of high school, my stepdad never spoke to me again. So, you Um, know, like, I don't know. I feel like responsible, even though I'm not, it's like these people, you know, maybe if my sisters had more attention and I wasn't the sick kid, always the priority, maybe mm-hmm. their lives would have turned out different. Um, you know, so it's like just processing things. I'm in trauma therapy. I've been in trauma therapy for like a super long time. Yeah. Um, and I recommend that to just, you know, for everybody. Um, counseling is great. Um Trauma therapy for me is not just about scleroderma. It's about multiple things that happened in my life that are really violent, really bad. And they have like a a whole different level, you know what I mean? Of therapy versus just a regular counselor. And I always encourage people to speak up, speak out and it's okay. And, you know, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in emotions. Everybody has them. You know, and what defines you is your strength to keep going, your strength to get through it all. Like, like I'm getting ready to start my chemo infusions again, you know, and it's like I I face all of this alone, 100% alone. Wow. And so it's just like I'm a big advocate of you can do it. Like put your, put your mind to it. You know, like I bought a, an RV to, as a travel trailer and I gutted it and remodeled the whole entire thing myself. Wow. Um, you know, and it's like, I did that for so many reasons, not just because I knew how to do it. Uh, half the time I didn't even know what I was doing. It was to keep my mind busy. Yeah. Um, to keep me occupied while I'm processing this situation or this experience or you know whatever it was motivation it was something to allow me to feel those feelings and Mm -hmm. 
at the same time, I'm feeling them doing stuff. So it's not so rough, so painful. Yeah, I think that the, I think that therapy is definitely, um, like, I think that's something that a lot of people should look into because when you talked about feeling like, you know, feeling, I wouldn't say guilty, but feeling as though certain things were your fault or if you didn't have this, I actually felt that same exact way. I felt like, you know, a lot of things that I'm going through now is the reason why I, it's because of my split on because I, I needed this attention. So it took away from somebody else and what they needed and it kind of created an issue. But, you know, some people don't want to say, okay, well, you know, you're the reason why, you right. know, this happened. But then on the other, on the other end, you feel so bad. You feel so guilty because it's like, it takes a lot to care for somebody with scleroderma. Like, when I first got diagnosed, when I say I went from being very active, very outgoing, very, you know, on the run, to not being able to do the minimum for myself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I wasn't able to use my hands. I wasn't able to, you know, completely care for myself. So, it was hard. It was hard allowing somebody to help me because I knew that it was a lot. It was it was hard, you know, after the fact dealing with the thing that came later because I felt like because of scleroderma, because of my condition, this is what's causing all of these problems. So I definitely agree with you one hundred percent that if you're going through something and and this is for everybody, if you're going through something and you know, you had you diagnosed with a condition. Go see a counselor. It doesn't mean you're crazy. It doesn't mean you have anything going on. It's just good for everybody. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> um, you know, like you said, for anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. the last year for me, me has just been insane mentally. Like I've I've gone, I faced so many things, and like I said, I'm facing them alone. Mm-hmm. So. Like, you know, when I come home after a full day of chemo and, you know, I'm puking in the bathroom or I, you know, it's like I can't get out of bed. Well, nobody's here to make me dinner. Nobody's here to go get me something from the store. You know what I mean? And it's like, I have to get up whether I want to or not. If I don't do it, I'm going to die. Right. So. And it hurts your pride. Like, I think that's a lot of things that stops people from, you know, talking to people and using resources and stuff like that because yeah, they're, they're proud and they, and they're, you know, they, it hurts them to know that they're affecting other lives. Like, Oh great. Now I, I can't go to this event now, you know? And it's like, you yeah. feel like so much guilt about so many things and I'll be the first one to say it this last year. I have probably called even in the last month, I have absolutely called the national, you know, suicide hotline every day this month. Every. And to know that like, there's no shame in that. And you just need an outlet. You just need to, you know, divert that energy. If you need to spew off for 10 minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to do that. It's okay to let yourself do that. And 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 one thing I will say is, I, I'm glad I'm glad that we talked because I feel like you're saying things right now that people are afraid to say. Like yeah. 
you're, you're telling, you're saying, yeah, this month I'm called, I'm called the suicide hotline. There are so many of us that have those thoughts. You know, me, myself, I've had those thoughts many of times. And that's what pushed me to to get out and do this podcast, to get out and try to meet new people. Because being stuck in a house, in a room, you know, majority of your life, you're in a room and the other half you're in a hospital, it can become a lot. Oh, yeah. And those thoughts don't, you know, you can't just, and people say, you know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, pray about it or think about something else or watch TV. Even when you try to get your mind off of it, those thoughts keep coming. Absolutely. You can't just, you know, because at the end of the day, this pain doesn't stop. This, 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 this illness I'm dealing with, it never stops. So it's an all-day thing. So that thought is going to always be there. And that's why, you know, like I said, I'm glad that you were able to come on because you're saying things that people, somebody's going to listen to this and be like, dang, I felt that same thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and my illness now is like, it's not good at all. I'm kind of like... at the last of, you know, certain options. And, like, my 12-year-old son doesn't even live with me. He lives with his dad across the country in New Hampshire. Oh, wow. And, you know, when we divorced, like, I could have absolutely had him full-time. Absolutely. But I couldn't be selfish. Like, I needed to give my child the best life possible. And his dad just retired out of 26 years in the military as an officer. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. he's got money. He's got time. His parents have so much money. It makes me sick. And it's like, they can give him the life I wish I ever had. Right. And to keep him away from that kind of life where he can have anything his little heart desires, you know what I mean? And just for the sake of me being selfish, that's not okay. You know, and it hurts because it's like, I miss out on so much stuff. But if he was here, he'd be alone. He wouldn't be, you know, going to this camp or this thing or, you know, going on this trip vacation. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's like, as much as it hurts me, it would have hurt him more. And, you know, mentally as a parent, like that messes with your head. You know what I mean? You're like, why the hell am I even here? You know, Mm -hmm. and it's like. Every time he comes out to visit and he, like, gets back on that plane to leave, like, like, your heart basically, like, rips out of your chest, you know? And and it's, like, my ex-husband and I just recently had to sit down with him and... Sorry. Um, That's all right. We had to sit down with him and say, hey... Do you want to, like, we don't shelter him from my condition and every aspect of it. We don't do that. We're very open, very blunt, very honest with him. And it's amazing because he has a voice. He has says. And, you know, should I do this thing? Because this is what it could do to my body or you know like like we include him in everything yeah. and 
he's my only family other than my 83 year old grandfather. Like I literally, I don't have aunts. I don't have uncles. I don't have cousins. Like I have nobody but my son. And so I, we had to have that talk with him and be like, look, I'm not doing so hot. And this is going to be the outcome regardless. This is anybody's outcome. Eventually it's just, you know, my outcome is sooner than it should be, but do you want to visit me in the ground somewhere or do you want me to get cremated so you can just take me with you wherever you are? You know, like I, the mental preparation I had to do to prepare myself Mm -hmm. for that conversation. Nobody should have to ask a 12 year old, something like that. But with my reality and what I'm going through, like, I didn't have a choice, you know, and like, he's just so brave, you know, and it's like, whenever he is here, he's my helper. He's like, mom, you don't feel good. Let me make you some chicken and stars. Let me get you a popsicle, you know? Yeah, that is so wonderful. Like I like I have two boys also, and you know, my my older son is a little. My older son is fourteen, but my youngest son is ten. And we, and I had this conversation with them also. Um, I gave them my wishes and what I would like, and I let them know, like you know, this is you know, this is what it is. I, I I'm very open, and they're very involved in my medical situation also because, um, we're just a tight family, so. The four of us, most of the time, we're at the appointments together, so they kind of hear everything that's going on. And, you know, I didn't want to have that conversation. I didn't want to feel like it was necessary. But then when I thought about it, it was like, my youngest son, he asks a lot of questions. You know, he he has a lot of worries because, you know, I was diagnosed after I had him. So, you know, for him, it's like, he has a lot of questions because he wanted to make sure that nothing was his fault and nothing. And I'm like, no, it can never be like that wasn't, you know, the case. And I feel like kids are more and they're smarter than we think they are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the things that we think are a little above them, like, you know, okay, maybe we should have this conversation. They're already, like, they already are prepared. So it's like, I know that conversation was tough, but I know that, you know, him knowing your wishes and you knowing what it is, like, it kind of makes him feel a lot better, like, you know, it'll probably make him feel better, like, hey, I'm respecting mom wishes, and I'm, uh, she knows what this, what's going to happen, you know what I mean, so it makes him feel better, because I got to tell my kids, I don't want you to be sad when I go, I don't want you to be sad, I don't want you to have to go through all of, all of that, you know, that moment, because it's going to be rough, but I don't want you to be, I want to kind of let you preparing you for what's going to happen. And, um, you know, because when I first found out, I thought it was, like, immediately, you know, I didn't know a lot about scleroderma. And a lot of the doctors I had didn't know a lot about scleroderma. So I went to Google, and that's where I got most of my information. And, you know, I just thought everything was over right then and there. But I do believe that, you know, I, I believe it gets better with time, you know. And just like when you say, doctor said you probably wouldn't make it past 15, 
And then you're 37, like, that's nothing but God. Nothing yeah. But- oh, yeah. And, and like you said, kids, especially nowadays, they're, they're, kids aren't stupid. They yeah. hear everything. And rightfully so, children are curious because they don't know what adult, adults know, you know, and they want to know. Yeah. And like even my ex-husband like he's my emergency contact because again I'm alone I have no family and I have no like local local friends or anything and so if anything were to happen to me and I can't speak for myself like I know that he will make the best decision because it's gonna affect our child you know what I mean and so it's like we co-parent very very well I still call him and be like, hey, I can't figure out this technology thing. You know what I mean? He was an IT expert in the military. And, you know, uh, like when I was figuring out the cremation stuff, I actually found a national company that's amazing. And I'm, you know, I have a bunch of information and stuff that the lady sent me and she's going to actually come up and meet with me. And it's a national company. So, like, that makes me feel better because I told her I'm like hey I'm going to Colorado but I don't plan on being there for long like as soon as they both go I'm the executor of the will I'm going to have the house like I'm I might sell it and come back and get a little casita that's completely paid off like you know I I don't know and it made me feel better to know that once it's like you can make payments to this company it's like $2,500 that's it and it covers travel to their closest facility. It covers um, the urn, everything. Everything you could think of is covered. And so I got all of that information. And I even emailed it to him. And I was like, look it over if you think you have any questions. You know what I mean? Like, And, like, that's important um, for my child to see that, yeah, mom and dad aren't together. And that sucks. But we're a team. Yeah. regardless you know and it's it makes me so sad because I see it all the time like you know on the news and just like on social media like when parents can't coexist for the sake of a child and like put their bullshit excuse my language aside mm-hmm. for that child like that makes me so sad it hurts me yeah. because that's not fair you know it's about what's best for the child yeah and I wish more, like, you know, I've even dated people and he's dated people. And I always tell somebody, like, I don't, my son doesn't need a father. He has a father, but I need you to love him. You know what I mean? Regardless. And it's vice versa. And it's so important, especially when somebody's ill, you know what I mean? Just for there to be some kind of cohesive team involved for children. Right. That's so true. Like, he couldn't handle it full-time and, you know, and stay married to me. And that's fine. Not everybody's built to handle, you know, like a lifelong chronic terminal thing. You know, some people just aren't built for it. And that's okay. It doesn't make them a horrible person. That's just, that's their, their, you know, and it's people just nowadays they love to blame and they love to be like like oh well they couldn't stick it out not everybody can stick stuff out you know and 
I've been in solitude for so long, like about 10 or 11 years. And like, I now know why, like I'm built for that. Like I have the strength to do everything on my own. Some people don't like, and I always, when I see people hurting, I'm like, God, I wish I could bear all of that because I know I could, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I just, like, I just want to help anybody that I could help in any way possible. Um, Cause that gives me a purpose, you mm -hmm. know? And I hope when people hear this, they, you know, are encouraged to speak up about emotional or, you know, physical and not be ashamed of it. And even if they're not ready to like call any national numbers or anything, even though it's anonymous, like anybody can reach out to me at any time, day or night, and I will always answer. Yeah. So I have another question for you. Besides scleroderma, what other um, chronic illness do you have? Um, I've got Raynaud's surgeons, gastroparesis, um, I've got arthritis, I've got osteoarthritis, osteopenia, osteoporosis, I've got um, atrophy muscles, I've got, uh, gee, oh my god, let me think, I've got bipolar with manic depressive episodes, I've got anxiety, I've got ADHD, um, and, like, my social anxiety is so bad. Like, I, I don't really like to leave my house at all unless it's for an appointment. Like, I try to stay away from as many people as possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, I have that feeling, too. I like to stay. I like, I think, I thought it was, like, you know, from scleroderma. Like, I like to be around, like, I have this thing where I like to be around people. But then when I get there, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go home. And I, yeah. I feel so safe here, you know. Um, I, yeah, that's what it is for me. Like, I feel safe. And it's like, you know, everybody I've ever known has abandoned me for one reason or another, whether it had to do with my illness or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, if I'm home, they can't hurt me. Yeah. And you're just in your own comfort, you know? Right. Like, I'll talk to people all day as long as I'm home. Yeah. But then when you go out, it's like, hmm, I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. And it, I never used to be like that. Like, it's so weird. Like, I used to be such a social butterfly. Like, ultimate alpha. I, you know, used to go out to bars and hang out and party. Like, and it's so funny. Like, I'm, like, the exact opposite of that now. Exact opposite. That's crazy because I've seen something in, uh, in the scleroderma original group. Someone had asked, do you think that scleroderma changes your mood and I'm like hmm I wonder if that's like if that's if, well I'm for me I was saying it does because some days when you're feeling really bad it could make you like it could change your mood to being like you know depressed and sad and days when you feel a lot better you're kind of like happy and you know outgoing so what do you think as far as does scleroderma change does scleroderma have an effect on your mood? Oh, I'm sure it does one way or another, you know, for everybody. Um, 
I know I was diagnosed with like the bipolar with manic depressive episodes when I was young. I was diagnosed when I was about probably 16 or 17. Um, and then I was only diagnosed with that and anxiety for like the longest time. And, you know, they, they had uh, right after I had my son, like the anxiety was really bad. And so they kept just like filling me full of anxiety medications, you know, like Ativan, Xanax, Valium, all of that. And it's like, they're pumping those down my throat, but my brain wouldn't stop. Yeah. Like I was still like in my head a million miles a minute. And that set my mood off for the bipolar because it's like, I couldn't control it. I'd go from, you know, being happy about this to instantly something else pops in my head and I'm crying. Something else pops in my head and I'm angry and want to hit somebody. Um, And so, you know, when you're, when you're ill like that and like you said like you're having a great day you want to just put on your makeup or whatever and just run some errands and you come home and you're like that was a good day for me I just got errands done and that was cool I felt normal and then the next day you're in bed and you're in so much pain you're crying so yeah I'm sure absolutely it affects your mood um as far as like does it cause you know like bipolar does it cause you know other mental health issues i i don't know the real scientific answer um but absolutely it will definitely play with your emotions yeah for sure yeah i think that'll probably i think that's what i will be saying i would think that you know because i feel like anybody with some type of illness or disease i feel like we all go through that struggle of you know moody like sad and moody and stuff like that so yeah I mean it's rough that's why I try like I said I love the fact that you reach out to people you know that's what I try to do sometimes and you know just open my doors to anybody that want to talk and you know need help and you know yeah well I mean and I guess like I do that because it's like I couldn't like, I couldn't help myself and I couldn't help my family because of, like, their choices that they make as adults. It's not up to me. It's up to them. You know, I can only handle my life. And for my mental health, I had to completely cut ties with them all, you know, because, like, they were so toxic for me mentally and so mean and hurtful and they, you know, they stole from me. They were mentally abusive and, you know, and it's like, I had to cut ties to walk away from my own sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so it's like, I know what it's literally like to go through this completely alone. So if I can prevent that for somebody else, I will do everything in my power to make that happen because mm-hmm. it sucks. And I cry every day at some point for something, you know, and like I said, you know, calling the the suicide hotline, but it's not just about scleroderma and fighting it alone. It's about, you know, I, I've been raped that a few different times throughout my life, you know, and I was younger when I was like 20, 21, 22. I wasn't even seeing doctors at that point because, you know, I was like, no, I'm going to party. Screw it. I don't care anymore. Like I'm done being a, a pin cushion. I'm just having me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was a bartender in Virginia and I hooked up with a military guy, but he was also in a very, very 
very bad 1% biker gang. Mm-hmm. Um, and I dated him for, you know, two and a half years. I moved across the country. He ended up like beating me almost to death. And I was put in protective custody with NCIS for a year. Um, they had a bounty on my head. Like it, the, their group made Sons of Anarchy look like child's play. And so it's like, I've got a lifetime of, you know, crap that all led up to trauma therapy. So I don't want people to think like, if you have scleroderma, you need trauma therapy. Like, you know, it, it's so many different things. Um, but, you know, all of those events molded me and, and shaped me to the person that I am. And, you know, I, I haven't touched a drop of alcohol, you know, probably for like five years because my mom's a drunk and never, like just looking at it or smelling it or, you know, it, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And like, I, I look at it and I'm like, I can't, that that's my mom in a bottle and I can't, I'm going to get hurt, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's like so many different things molded me to be like the caretaker for me to be the strong one for me to be like, I'm going to bear every pain from every single person in the world. Like I can take it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely a strong one. Definitely a strong one. I like that. Do you um? So, can you tell people how they can reach out to you? Like, tell them your Instagram and all. Yeah. Um, my Facebook, my main page is um, Tiffany Lynn Shank S H A N K. Um, you'll you can't miss my face. <laughs> blonde hair blue eye that's me um and instagram i believe is the dot tiffany dot shank and um i have a tiktok but i really don't know how to use it so like i don't know the name for that or anything i'm like never on it um but i can get that and like type it somewhere or like leave it on some post or something um and mm-hmm. Anybody can message me on Instagram or Facebook. I am on Facebook the most. Um, I only go on Instagram a handful of times a week versus Facebook. I'm on it every day. Um, So like the preferred method to reach out to me to get like a quick response would be through Facebook Messenger. Um, They can video call me. They can just message me and then video call. And once they message me, I can absolutely give them, you know, my cell phone or my email or whatever they need to be able to reach out to me. Okay. Do you have any projects that you're working on? Like I see you do a lot of makeup and stuff like that. Are those are those your makeup? Um, um yeah, well I mean I sell the, the Saint makeup. I'm an actual makeup artist and I'm a cosmetologist, you know. Um, so that's right at my alley. And not just me, but a few of other scleroderma friends of mine are just as obsessed with it as I do. Um, they don't sell it though, they just love it. Um, you know, it's very healthy, it's very clean, it's vegan, cruelty-free, all of that. Um, and they've got an amazing skincare line. Mm-hmm. And we've all just fallen in love with it because the makeup completely hides all of my, um, you know, like the morphia patches and like the transparency of the dark eyelids, you know, when it's turning into patches. And I don't know, like we all just get really amazing coverage and we just love it so much. Um but they can message me if they're ever interested in makeup. I'm not going to like promote that. Um, 
you know, I also am covered in tattoos. <laughs> yes, I see that. I love that. Um, I actually just got one for my birthday, May 13th, and it was done by another warrior um, named Laura Delgado. She just opened her own tattoo studio. So the tattoo that I got, I had been wanting for a very long time, for years. And when I, you know, am getting a tattoo, like, I need to feel the energy from the artist. You know, um, I different artists have done different things for me and I've sought out different artists for different pieces. Everybody has strengths and skills in the tattoo world. Um, some people are great at portraits, others, you know, letters, that kind of thing. So for me, this piece is it's endure and um, survive. And it has like a graffiti splash color, you know, teal awareness ribbon in it. And to have that piece that I've wanted for so long done by another scleroderma warrior, like that meant like I, I cry every time. Like I look at it, like it means so much to me. Wow. And the fact that she was the one to do it, you know, she felt honored to do it. And I was honored for her to do it just because we're both warriors. And so like, it just made it that much more special so much more special and she's super talented so if anybody see hears this and they live in arizona absolutely um let me see what is her i don't remember her instagram name i think it's xxoo lala something i don't know it i i have posts of it pictures with her tagged in it um but if anybody's in arizona and they want to get a tattoo i'm telling you she's a she's a hands down talented artist she gets paid to do murals on buildings, um, all kinds of stuff. Like, she's got insane skills. Oh, wow. Well, that's really good. I see. I might have to, um, I'm definitely talking about a tattoo. I have some tattoos, but a lot of them, like, I guess because of the skin kind of, like, faded. Um, and I've been talking to one of my uh, friends about getting another tattoo. I want to get something with, like, two... Like something with Salernoma, you know, thing. So maybe I'll make a trip to Arizona or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she she books by appointment only, so it's super intimate. It's super special. Um, I don't know. I just love her. She is like one of the most humble, kindest people, gentle spoken. Um, like she was my first acquaintance in Arizona, actually, um, when I first moved out here. It was actually on my birthday years, like a few years ago when I came out here and I had just gotten a chemo infusion and my platelets dropped and I needed to have a transfusion. And I was rushed um, to a bigger hospital because the town I live in couldn't handle it. So they put me in a helicopter and flew me to Scottsdale and I was scared, you know. And so I reached out on one of the scleroderma sites on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, is anybody near this area in Arizona? This is what's going on. I'm terrified. I just want to talk to somebody. And she actually showed up to the hospital with like a gift bag that had like little shampoo and conditioner, lotion, chapstick or whatever. And she actually sat with me and just like watched me sleep all night. And she was advocating for me. You know, she was like telling the nurses like, look at her. She's sleeping and she's still seizing in pain. Like, cause I have seizures and stuff. She was like, and the way that you're treating her and everything, like she spoke for me while I was asleep and I didn't even know it. 
And she just sat with me all night and didn't even know who I was. So she literally is the sweetest, softest, most humble person that I've ever met. Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely, I think that would be a good trip for me to come out and, and do a tattoo with her. Like, she seemed nice. I'm looking at her Instagram. Um, it's actually XXOO dot la la boo. Yes, 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 that's it. Look her up. Yeah, I, I, I like, I like it. I'm definitely going to, um, check her out. And she, like, she even works with people on prices and stuff, like, you know, she's not, like, extreme and, like, insane with the prices. You know, like, I gave her a budget and I mm-hmm. said, this is my budget that I can get the, a tattoo and still be able to, you know, tip you, you know, well, and everything for doing it. Uh, and, you know, and she actually drew up a, you know, my tattoo is huge, you know, and she, you know, no questions asked. She even brought me home after, um... I had a friend drive me there because I don't drive because of the seizures. So, you know, I take cabs everywhere. And my friend was like, hey, I'm not doing anything that day. Well, I see my friend, but she's a much older lady here in the local town I live in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she'll be like, hey, do you need to go to the grocery store? That kind of thing. You know, she's an acquaintance. And so she dropped me off and was like, I can wait for you. And then Laura's like, no, go home. You're in it. She's going to be here until like 11 or midnight. I'll just bring her home after, you know? And I was like, do you need gas money or anything? She was like, no, no, stop it. You know, she even got me a birthday cake and flowers. They sang to me, her and her two girls. Like I melted and I cried because I hadn't celebrated my birthday in like 10 years. Wow. Yeah, like that's, that's somebody that goes the extra mile. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely dope. I like that. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, I really, really thank you so much for coming on. I hope that man you can continue to talk and you know keep in contact because you're you're such a sweet person. And I thank you are too. Thank you. I love your energy, and um, I feel like you can help a lot of people. I feel like this podcast. Um, people are going to listen to it and reach out to you because I'm sure there are some people who are not really comfortable just yet who are definitely listening in and to know that they can reach out to you with no questions asked is definitely amazing. So I definitely appreciate you coming on and um, hopefully um, I'll get out to Arizona and we can hang out a little. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, And thank you for having me. Like, I love any chance I can get, you know, to kind of share a little bit here and there. And just like, you know, if I, like I said, if I can help anybody in any way with my story, absolutely. Like I have no shame in that. Um, I have no shame talking about the lowest points of my life. You know what I mean? It it all made me who I am. And so I appreciate the fact that you had me on and, and let me just be so open and everything and um, loved the questions. It was, it was fun. And I'm actually, Eva, a friend of ours in New York who has scleroderma, she might, she's going to California for a vacay and she might segue here for a day to get a tattoo by her. So, or, you know, that would be fun. That would be cool if you eventually came out and, you know, saw the area and stuff. It's it's fun. Okay. Yeah, that definitely works. I'll, um, I'll I'll inbox you after we Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye. 
TTR The Till Room will be a bi-weekly podcast on Wednesdays. You will get all the information you need for the next guest and any events that we are having. So if you know someone who has scleroderma or someone who wants to learn about scleroderma, please share our information. You can find us on Instagram at the till underscore room or you can email us at the till room 22 at yahoo.com this is your host latasha m stay blessed stay safe and stay positive